Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by the East Baton Rouge Parish School System, inspiring humanity through transformational learning in the classroom and community. Initiatives like Pathways to Bright Futures allow students to graduate high school with an associate degree or an industry-based credential along with their high school diploma. More information at ebrschools.org. And by Three Roll Estate Craft Rum Distillery, crafting premium rum from their own Louisiana sugar cane, Three Roll is cane to glass. From Mansur's on the Boulevard, we're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal. It's business, Baton Rouge time. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. One of the biggest business stories in Louisiana today is the growth of the renewable energy sector. With a growing acceptance of climate change and policies that incentivize the development of renewable energy sources, it's an exciting time to be in the clean energy space. And Louisiana, because it's already home to so many petrochemical facilities, is uniquely positioned to capitalize on the growth. But renewable energy and clean energy are terms that get thrown around a lot and actually cover a wide variety of energy types. There's even some disagreement about whether certain types of clean energy are really as clean as they claim to be. What's going on in Louisiana and where do the opportunities lie? With me today to discuss this is Brian Christensen, General Manager of Chevron Renewable Energy Group's facility in Geismar, which produces about 75 million gallons of renewable diesel each year sourced from fatty acid feedstocks. The facility also creates renewable propane from waste fats and oils, among other products. The local plant on Highway 30 is one of 11 REG facilities in the U.S. and Germany that together make more than 500 million gallons of biodiesel per year. REG has been credited with helping establish the biodiesel industry in the U.S. That's among the reasons it attracted the attention of oil giant Chevron in June of 2022, which acquired the company in a more than $3 billion deal. Brian has been in the renewable fuel business for more than 20 years and has been at the helm of several petrochemical plants before coming to REG. He is a native of Indiana, but he is loving Louisiana. Brian, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule today to join us. Well, thank us you very much for inviting me. I do appreciate it. So, At the table with me and Brian is Pierre Moses, president of 127 Energy, a firm that specializes in developing solar and battery-powered clean energy solutions for businesses, community institutions, and individual customers. Pierre and his firm are experts in helping design and finance these clean energy systems and have a mission to help make the systems more accessible to those who can least afford it, while also helping to address climate change. Pierre co-founded the firm in 2009 on the heels of founding another successful startup, Make It Right Solar, a for-profit subsidiary of Brad Pitt's Make It Right Foundation, where he structured and completed more than 250 solar projects. Pierre is a native of New Orleans and has an MBA from Tulane, where he continues to serve as an adjunct professor and board member of the Tulane Energy Institute. Pierre, thanks so much for joining me on Out to Lunch today. Thank you for having me on the show, Stephanie. Well, Brian, I want to start with you and tell us just what is going on at the facility in Geismar. I mean, yeah, it's it's really an impressive operation. So we announced uh, a couple of years ago, actually, now that we're moving forward with an expansion at the site. So at, as of today, right now, we can do about 90 million gallons of, of renewable diesel and propane. 
And what we're looking at doing, and we're actually doing it right now, we're expanding by uh, up to 340 million gallons a year. So that's a, uh, basically a little over a threefold uh, increase uh, at the facility. And this is actually REG's largest uh, project ever. Was this plant built to be a renewable diesel facility, or was it previously a regular petrochem facility that was retrofitted? Yeah, so we, so uh, back in 2009-2010 uh, time period, it was, uh, actually it was originally part of Borden, part of uh, uh, Uniroyal, I had a lot of equipment that was that was, it could easily just get converted over to a renewable diesel site. So this is actually this site is actually the first renewable diesel facility in the United States. Wow! And and we also were were the first uh, uh, plant to actually make sustainable aviation fuel, or otherwise known as SAF, as you've heard in the, in the news media. And and so it's kind of a neat honor to be able to have the opportunity to. Uh, not only run this facility today, we've made a ton of improvements as REG over the years too, but now we're, we're uh, as we call it, biggie size, and we're going up to 340 million gallons a year. And the feedstock, fatty acid feedstock, this is animal stuff? So this is a lot of things. So any fats, oils, and greases that nobody really wants and throws away or whatnot, we actually are able to uh, produce renewable diesel with, with that material. Um, and you can get it all over the world. And you, you really take a look, the world's more starving of protein versus this type of, uh, of uh, fats, oils, and greases. And so the night, you know, we have the capabilities as a company, uh, either on the biodiesel side or on the renewable diesel side, to, to collect it or uh, bring it in on site, clean it up a little bit, and, and uh, run it through our system, produce renewable diesel that looks basically like you see this glass of water here, even though you're not seeing this on, on the podcast. So. <laughs> That's so cool. So while so re renewable diesel is one, one side of the sort of renewable energy spectrum, Pierre, you work in the truly clean energy space around solar systems, solar and battery-powered-based systems. And, and what exactly does 127 Energy do within that, within that area? Sure. 127 Energy is an end-to-end -end developer. So we sort of take project concepts from their very earliest stages. Someone will come to us and say, I have an open roof or I have an open field. Um, do you think solar would make sense for our facility? And we'll take that conversation all the way through design, engineering, construction, financing and, and eventually operations and maintenance for, for a long term, typically 20, 25 years. Um, so we work with customers at, at various stages of the project. Uh, more often than not, we are bringing in third-party finance to pay for the projects. So the majority of our work are commercial and industrial or sometimes small utility-scale projects. These might be several million dollars or tens of millions of dollars to build. Oftentimes, public schools or uh, um, you know, certain types of manufacturers or tax-exempt organizations won't have that type of capital. So we'll bring in third-party finance, pay for the projects up front, and then uh, sell uh, energy or sell you know, renewable power over time over, through a, a long-term contract. Fantastic. And how much demand are you all seeing right now? you know, both in Louisiana and, and outside, because I assume mm -hmm. your clients are not just here in Louisiana. Yeah, demand is continuing to accelerate. It's really been on an upward trajectory for my entire, you know, 15-year career um, building and, and developing solar projects. Uh, more recently, demand has, has really um, taken off for both solar plus battery storage projects that the 
the inherent intermittency issues of, of solar is solved by uh, having on-site battery storage and customers are looking for not just energy savings but also the, the added benefit of resiliency that comes from uh, having batteries integrated with solar uh, on the same project. And given the issues that we have with grid failures, especially in this state, that kind of resilience is, is not only like important and convenient, but critical in many cases. It is. Life-saving. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I live in, in New Orleans. New Orleans, in particular, uh, experiences about eight times the national average in terms of, of grid, grid outages. Uh, I think New Orleanians experience somewhere on the order of 60 hours a year uh, of, of hours when, when the power grid is down. So that's a lot of time that you're going without air conditioning or, or other essential services, and battery storage can help kind of bridge that gap. Wow, so good. Um, Brian, I want to go back to you for a minute. Tell me a little bit about the Chevron acquisition, because I know I mentioned that when I introduced you, but like y'all attracted the attention of Chevron. They, they invested more than $3 billion to acquire y'all. So what does that say about where big oil, big traditional petrochemical companies are, you know, with respect to renewable fuels? So I think they're now realizing that to, as a steward of the, of the world uh, being in, and whatnot, they need to find ways and means to reduce their carbon footprint. And uh, a lot of companies have gone out and tried to do the technologies that we do here, ethanol, solar, uh, wind, whatever. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think what attracted Chevron to us is the fact that we already have we are a very established company. Uh, we are uh, we were publicly traded, and uh, we had a lot of great press. We've been do doing a lot of things, and plus fact too with the expansion project we're doing down in Geismar, it's a nine hundred eleven million dollar project. It's almost a billion dollar project, and uh, it they take they they saw this as like wow this is a serious project. This is really something we we want to do. But we don't have the the uh, the the, uh, the brain trust as of right now to really do this. It's like, well, so uh, as as our former CEO uh, C.J. Warner said, you know, all of a sudden I, I was about ready to go on a fish or actually on a, a skiing trip in Colorado, and all of a sudden I get this in front of me. It's oh, that's a lot of money. I need to go talk to somebody. So at the end of the day, uh, it's a great uh, acquisition for us. Uh, again, we've got some plans um, that REG has had for a long time worldwide. And I think this will help us out. And then Chevron, again, they've, they're looking at 100,000 barrels a day of renewable fuels by 2030. And just our my facility alone, that uh, once we get the expansion done, we're going to just be under 25,000 barrels. So we're going to give Chevron a huge start in, in all this. And, 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 and are we, are y'all at REG in Geismar, the first of their renewable diesel facilities yes. that they've acquired in the whole world? Yeah, so they're, they've, they, they, there's other companies that are out there doing it. Uh, they, they do buy third-party, uh, as they call it, third-party renewable diesel, but at the end of the day, uh, we're, we're part of their network now. And, and, and I was telling Pierre, I mean, I've already had multiple discussions on multiple potential projects for them. I've been at the Pascagoula Refinery already, taking a look at one of their uh, sites, uh, one of their unit operations that we're looking at uh, potentially converting to. So it's been a, been a fun uh, fun couple months, and actually it's been longer than that, longer than that because uh, I was part of the integration team as well. So got a chance to meet uh, multiple, multiple people in, in at the Houston office and stuff. So I mean, we're all very excited to be a part of the Chevron family. And, and Pierre, how much buy-in from the traditional petrochemical industry 
are y'all getting in the solar world? I mean, are they still yeah. resisting or is there a growing acceptance and realization that this is the way the world is going? And, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the lines between quote unquote traditional energy and, and renewable energy or clean energy are, are blurring faster okay. than you could ever imagine. Uh, capital sources, um, so not just investors, but producers of, of all types of energy are, are diversifying quickly, uh, and, and there's just a lot of expansion and growth kind of across the entire energy sector. Um, Louisiana certainly prides itself on being an energy state, and I think the conversation we're having today is clear evidence of that, that energy doesn't mean always one or the other. It's a, it's a, it's a broad uh, and diverse sector and industry and requires, you know, investment and a lot of effort from a, from a number of different angles. Um, there's you know, energy not just on the transportation side, yeah. but, you know, certainly also on the um, production and electricity generation. These are, these are all distinct facets of a, of a really massive and broad, broad energy yeah, sector. I mean, it should be a both and. Correct. And, and I think yeah. that the enlightened people in the world and a lot of other people realize it too, but sometimes you hear from... You know, it feels like the industry associations more than anything. And in this state, in Texas, you know, they hunker down and they're like holding on to their party line. They feel so threatened by this transition. But I think the rest of the world is recognizing that this is where we're yeah. going. We 127 does a, a lot of we're actually um, technically headquartered in, in California. We do a lot of, of our work in California. In California, there's a, a, a low carbon fuel standard called LCFS and Brian's company the, that produces renewable diesel. This is one of those fuel types that it's, it's incentivized and encouraged and generates LCFS credits in California. But this fuel standard is likely a standard that will have ripple effect across you know, other states and even other countries are, are also adopting similar standards. So this is, this is all part of this very massive and, and quickly evolving kind of energy transition that we're experiencing and, and participating in um, in a number of different ways. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Pierre Moses of 127 Energy and Brian Christensen of Chevron Renewable Energy Group. Brian, you mentioned low carbon. Is renewable diesel a truly clean yes, fuel or like almost clean? It, well, it's, it's a significant uh, carbon reduction. So uh, nothing that we're burning today uh, that it's, you know, except for even electricity, you take a look at electricity, it's, <clears throat> there's a lot of uh, coal generating or, or other avenues, or even natural gas burning facilities that are producing. So it, right now, whenever you have, you're converting energy, it's, it's tough to, to make that 100% combustible to the point where you have nothing, except maybe water. Uh, so... Uh, REG and other companies are in this sector um, and wind, solar, uh, anything, uh, there's always ways and means to try to reduce our carbon footprint. And at the end of the day, I think even five, ten years from now, we're going to have a choice uh, in terms of vehicles, in terms of the way we live and all that stuff where we have, have options. Okay, when we buy a new house, will it be solar? Will it be even hydrogen. You know, I, long time ago, 10, 12 years ago, there's a guy that was building small hydrogen units and uh, and uh, converting hydrogen from water of all things and uh, trying to to uh, power homes. And uh, you know, there's all kinds of neat and innovative ways and means to try to uh, produce energy. And and I think we're just on the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Uh, no, that's really exciting. Pierre, you mentioned the investors that are you know help financing a lot of these projects. 
who are they? I mean, who's being attracted to this type of um, work? Yeah. Um, I mean, the institutional uh, pension funds? It, it, or it is. Like venture capital? It, it is across the board. Um, venture capital is typically looking for those much higher returns, 3x, 5x, 10x returns. Mm -hmm. That you'll, you'll see those types of investments being being made on more on the product side. So as a new product is launching or new software uh, that can accelerate a, a certain process within the, within the industry. The massive amounts of money, the really, you know, the hundreds of millions, if not tens of billions of dollars that's coming into this space regularly is the patient capital. It's, it's infrastructure funds, it's insurance funds, it's pension funds. Uh, the majority of the renewable energy projects that, that we developed that, and the, really the majority that are being developed across the country are very stable cash flow producing assets. It's very unlikely that the sun is going to shine a whole lot more next year than it did last year. And it's also very unlikely the sun's not going to shine as much next year as it did last year. It's a pretty stable uh, resource in terms of the, the irradiance that's, that's hitting a certain site. Mm -hmm. So the cash flows are very predictable. Uh, they are not 10, 20% internal rates of return. We're now, you know, in more of a, of a five or 6% range. Um, so that means you have, you know, large amounts of capital that's, that's willing to take those, you know, very reasonable rates of return. What's going on with the solar farms? Here, I mean, I, I see headlines mm -hmm. where there's pushback against yeah. development of solar farms, and it seems like, why? Sure, yes. Yeah. Solar farms, meaning um, large-scale solar projects that are, you know, in the middle of a field, essentially not directly connected to a, an energy load or a manufacturing site or, or a hospital or some type of energy user. Those projects, at least in Louisiana, the vast majority of those projects are uh, uh, large-scale utility projects where Entergy Louisiana uh, or Entergy New Orleans, at least Entergy more than anyone else, is the power off-taker on those projects. Mm -hmm. So Entergy is purchasing power at a, a really low cost. Um, I would say you know the, the, the owners of the projects are funds like BP Light Source or DE Shaw. These are a lot of the common you know kind of private equity firms mm. that are uh, developing and owning and operating these large farms and they're selling all of that power output to Entergy. So these are just large-scale power plants that happen to be renewable energy. Uh, Brian has spent a lot of time in Minnesota and there's a lot of solar in Minnesota. It looks like utility scale, similar to what you see in Louisiana. A lot of Minnesota's solar farms are actually community solar projects, mm. which, you know, to the naked eye, sort of look the same in terms of its physical characteristics, but how those projects function, who is receiving the economic benefits of them, are, are, are very different than the, the market in Louisiana. Interesting. Brian, y'all have, um, like, offload agreements for all of your renewable diesel. Who's buying your stuff that y'all produce so obviously chevron is yeah. <laughs> that's you <laughs> that's us yeah so no we we uh, we we actually sell product throughout the world uh -huh. and and so we we sell up into the nordics we sell out to california we sell up into canada and so yeah you know there's not one major uh company that's that's um, buying our product it's, it's tons of uh, several hundreds of companies we also have bought a couple of small uh, retail terminal companies in California as well. One is Dawson and the other one's Amber. And they've come across uh, with us with as our, uh, Chevron REG. 
and they provide uh, even better solutions for us because we can sell the product to them. They can do the blending for whatever they want because we also produce a, a product called Ultra Clean, which is 80% uh, renewable diesel and 20% biodiesel. And uh, the state of California absolutely loves it. The, uh, all the truck drivers going up and down the road are, are seeing more and more of this uh, ability to get, get a hold of that product. And uh, it, it significantly reduces even more so than just regular uh, renewable diesel, the carbon footprint as well. So it, it's been a huge uh, win for us there in the state of California. We're starting to sell product. Well, we have been selling product in Washington, Oregon, um, as well as up in the, in, in, in actually we just uh, just uh, sent our first vessel into Europe. And so it's, wow. it's kind of neat to see. Uh, with a little bit with the Chevron uh, help, but a lot, you know, all of the products you're, you're, that you're producing going all over the world. And, and our massive network of, of pipeline infrastructure, I mean, the renewable diesel just drops right in yep. and goes off and goes on to tankers. And yep, exactly. Yep. Wow. So, and the part of our project is we're actually uh, partnering with IMTT uh, who, uh, down by the river. We're going to mm -hmm. have dock access. So it, it, it we'll have easier access uh, for our product, uh, especially since we're uh, biggie sizing, again, as we're calling it, uh, to get it all anywhere and everywhere in the world. That's fantastic. Pierre, one of the really cool projects I know y'all are involved in is um, based in New Orleans, but but it's it's statewide in aspiration. That's the Community Lighthouse Project, and that is to develop a network of solar and battery-powered resilience hubs, like you mentioned, at churches and community institutions, so that when mm -hmm. the lights go out, you know, tell us a little bit about how that's going to work. There are going to be like 24 sites. This is a, a project of Together Louisiana, sure. Together New Orleans, a community institution down there. There, there is a, a, a movement that's happening in Southeast Louisiana um, that's in its earliest stages. And, and it's, a, it's a movement that's based on uh, resiliency and the need for redundant power supply in areas that are more frequently being affected by stronger, and, uh, stronger storms that are resulting in power outages. Uh, there are kind of two large efforts that are that are really getting off the ground as we speak. One is, is Community Lighthouse that has been organized by uh, an organization called Together New Orleans, part of Together Louisiana. Uh, that is solar plus battery storage resilience hubs that are located on faith-based uh, institutions, churches, synagogues, mosques, uh, as well as health clinics and community centers. And the idea is to give neighborhoods and, and local residents a, a, a place to go after a storm where they can get access to refrigeration freezers and uh, be able to charge their phones and laptops yeah. I mean a lot of these just kind of critical services um, there's a, a separate but similar effort called get lit stay lit uh, that's an or that's a program by a, a nonprofit called feed the second line and they're doing solar plus storage for restaurants in New Orleans. And it's the same idea. The, after a storm, during a power outage, a restaurant can not have to throw out all of its food. Uh, they can kind of continue operating, feed their surrounding neighbors. Again, give place, give surrounding residents a place to cool off and charge their phones uh, so that they're not completely uh, left in the dark for a week or two weeks or, you know, a long time that, that uh, a lot of us experienced after Hurricane Ida. And there's federal money to pay for this or the investors that you mentioned or both philanthropic dollars combination? Yeah, all, all of the above. Um, there, 
there's been a long-standing federal incentive for any type of, of solar project. Um, for a long time, it was the it was a 26% federal investment tax credit. Mm-hmm. The Inflation Reduction Act, which really is much more a climate bill than it is uh, anything else. And there's um, kind of a, a number of, of really important and exciting aspects of that legislation, but some that are relevant to our conversation today. One is the, that federal in, um, investment tax credit is extended for 10 years. We, the, our industry has never had that type of visibility or runway or confidence in how long these types of you know, incentives would be around. So it's going to allow for much larger investments to be made because people are going to have co- investors will have confidence that the, the program will be around for a long time. In addition, for the first time ever, nonprofits and tax-exempt entities can access those federal incentives. They, they don't pay taxes, so a tax credit isn't very useful yeah. to a nonprofit. Uh, for the first time ever, a nonprofit can take that federal incentive as a direct pay, basically a cash uh, rebate from the federal government as opposed to a tax credit. And this is going to unlock a, a tremendous amount of pent-up demand for from universities and schools and just a lot of nonprofits that have never had an easy way to to go solar or to, to make these investments themselves. That's great. Is it fair to say that even if the next presidential administration had a very different sort of climate or energy policy, the energy transition will continue? Like this cat is out of the bag and, and this is the way that the world is moving. I mean, it, people are ex- demanding it now, not only within the United States, but worldwide. I mean, it, and so I think as more and more people understand you know the different avenues to get their energy the more they're going to understand that hey we're going to find ways and means to be greener um, not only at home but at work and so on and so forth so you know projects and companies that you're with and i'm with and and everywhere in the world all we're trying to do is just you know make it a little bit easier for our kids and grandkids to be able to breathe and whatnot and so i i'm excited for what's going to happen in the future because you know, solar, finally solar got a chance. I mean, I, I, you know, I've, I, again, I've been in this business for 22 years and solar's been up and down and it's been a roller coaster, roller coaster wave. They call it, they call it the solar coaster. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, and I'm so happy to see that because it, it finally gives you guys an opportunity to really shine what you should be able to do by a long time ago, in my opinion. Well, Brian Christensen and Pierre Moses, this has been such a fascinating discussion on such an important topic. Chevron REG and 127 Energy are involved in some of the most critical changes going on in our local and global economy today. And it's great to know that y'all are both right here in Louisiana making a difference. Thank you all for your hard work and for sharing your insights and joining me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you very much for inviting us. Appreciate Thank it. you so. for having me, Stephen. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Brian Christensen of Chevron Renewable Energy Group and Pierre Moses of 127 Energy. We had to edit this show to fit into our time slot here on WRKF. You can hear our unedited conversation and learn more about REG and 127 Energy by going to our Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast. You can subscribe to our Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast anywhere you get podcasts and on our website, it's Baton Rouge. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Out to Lunch Baton Rouge social media. Photos are taken by Eric Otts. You can find more of Eric's photos on Instagram at at acro, that's A-C-R-E-A-U-X. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. 
The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Today's show was engineered by J.T. O'Neill. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti, and our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you around the table at Mansour's again next week for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Baton Rouge is recorded live over lunch at Mansour's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily, 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by the East Baton Rouge Parish School System, inspiring humanity through transformational learning in the classroom and community. Initiatives like Pathways to Bright Futures allow students to graduate high school with an associate degree or an industry-based credential along with their high school diploma. More information at ebrschools.org. And by Three Roll Estate Craft Rum Distillery, crafting premium rum from their own Louisiana sugarcane. Three Roll is cane to glass. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. 